All right. Um, welcome back to EDH Takes, episode 11. Mm-hmm. I'm Elijah Samuelson. And I'm Spencer Cook. And today, I have a question. Spencer, has EDH ruined magic? Well, that's a interesting question. That seems a bit loaded there, Eli. <laughs> seems, uh, it, is it bait? Who knows? I guess we'll have to wait and find out, right? Haha. <laughs> but, so yeah, the, the, the main thing we're going to be talking about today is, um, you know, magic and how Commander has affected magic, mainly stuff like its design, the design of magic cards. A lot of players will say things like, you know, they are dying too many cards with Commander in mind, or vice versa. So why don't you why don't you kind of get us into that, Eli? Yeah, so as the game of Magic grows, more and more players continue to be drawn to the more casual side of Magic. Commander has now been found to be the most popular way to play Magic. And with the surge in popularity, it stands to reason that it is in Watsi's best interest to cater to Commander players more as they come to represent the majority of the player base. However, many players have noted that the response by Watsi may have gone too far, and Commander may have changed the way that Magic sets are designed forever. Additionally, as Wizards of the Coast continues to cater to Commander players, many players seem to have a growing sense of entitlement. There is now a large section of the player base that will only evaluate cards on whether or not they are playable in Commander, often disregarding other formats and ways to play Magic. Yeah, and that, that's a lot to say, but like I think you know, just kind of a... A more informal uh, description of that is that, you know, magic is pretty complicated and we're just kind of like going to try to delve into all of the ways that people approach the idea of wizards printing cards for commander and kind of decide and hopefully come to a conclusion of if that, if overall it's a good thing or a bad thing, maybe weigh the pros and cons and stuff. Yeah, so we have a, some things we wanted to go over first of like what it means to design cards for commander specifically. Because that's like, that's not... I mean, it seems pretty clear, right? But, like, there's... As as players, we don't really have a very direct way of, of knowing that, right? Because, like, Wizards doesn't just say, like, this card in a standard set was designed for Commander. We have to kind of decide that for ourselves, right? Yeah, I think um, where the card is printed probably has a good indication. Like, if something is in a Commander pre-con, obviously that card is made for Commander. But people like to look at cards even within, like, standard sets or things like Modern Horizons and be like... Well, this card is clearly made for Commander, and maybe that's not always the case. I mean, it certainly can be the case for a large portion of, uh, you know, the, the, the legendary creatures in uh, Modern Horizons 2, for example. Um, but, you know, I, I uh, remember there was a, a post um, from Mark Rosewater on his blog talk. Someone had been asking him about uh, something related to them printing cards for Commander in the Modern Horizons sets. And he said something along the lines of... Uh, you know, we we are we we want to be printing cards for Commander, and we are doing that. But we're also printing, you know, a large part of part of these um, cards in Modern Horizons Two and Modern Horizons One are printed for what they call something like a casual modern format. So like just modern, but not at the competitive level. So that's just an example of when an EDH player might look at some of these cards and say, "Well, obviously this isn't going in a modern deck, like a competitive modern deck, so it must be a Commander card." Well, that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes they do print cards for you know, what is known as kitchen table magic. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people forget about recently, like that other, like, 60-card casual formats might exist. Yeah, so, for example, when they see a card like Smothering Tithe printed in, I think that was just in a standard deck, or standard, like, just, like, in, like, at the set, right? In Throne of Eldraine? Yeah, in, um, uh, 
Ravnica Legions. Oh, Ravnica Legions. Sorry, I don't know why I was thinking that. Players would think, okay, this is a commander plant. And while there's definitely a good argument that that is is a commander card, like, you can't say for certain that that was their intention. Like, it's... So this makes you want to bring up the idea of, like, cards... I think cards can be designed with maybe, like, a percent of, like, formats in mind. So, like, maybe they designed that card, like, 20% for standard... 15% 15% for casual or whatever, and then the 65 or whatever the rest is for commander. I don't, obviously those numbers are arbitrary and they don't really mean anything, but uh, I don't think it's really almost always, almost ever the case that a card is designed wholly for one format. Unless, mm-hmm. like you said, Eli, stuff like commander product, that's pretty obviously has to be for commander, right? Yeah, that, like commander legends, commander precons, yeah. those are pretty obviously commander stuff, but even something like... Uh, like the brawl decks, like those, those are, cards, you could say, well, those are made for brawl, but like those have some very strong commanders in them. Yeah, and they may, and sets that are a little bit like strange, like Battle Bond and Jumpstart. Like the Jumpstart definitely seems like a commander product, but really, I think Jumpstart was just made as like a casual kind of draft between your friends product. I think that literally was like the uh, like the kitchen the, table, like just pick up and play magic set but you'll see like strong legendary creatures in that set and then people will immediately jump to commander and while it is a good i mean it's it's i'm not going to say that they didn't design the mill commander from that set for commander but like you know not i wouldn't say wholly for commander you know Mm -hmm. not entirely so so the kind of what the point i'm getting from this is that it's a little bit confusing um what to, to like to figure out what is designed for commander outside of the explicitly designed for commander product so, um, I just think, a, yeah, a problem is players will um, kind of only view cards as black and white. Yeah, we'll see uh, just about every preview season now, and we might elaborate more on this in a further along episode, but how people will look at, like, even, like, commons and uncommons and, like, be like, is this card good for commander? It's like, well... It's not for Commander, right? Yeah, and they're and they're going and and more so than just like evaluating the power level of a card, they'll be like, Wizards isn't addressing these issues by looking at like you know this this Commander issue. They could have made this better for Commander if they changed it this way. Well, it's a common and it's supposed to fit the draft format, right? Like you can't always appeal to Commander as a format in every card they make. I think some Commander players kind of seem to want that. I don't know if they actually do want that, but that seems to be what they want. Yeah, like like I was saying in the kind of the intro segment, um, the more and more Wizards caters to Commander players, it seems like, in some ways, the the more and more people want. And that's, uh, I think that is changing how Magic is, is created, how sets are designed. And, you know, one thing that, if we can just go on a short tangent, um, I'm, I don't want to always bring this up, Eli, but, you know, white cards, right? There's been a lot of, uh, a lot of arguments about white cards lately, and, on that topic of players, you know, kind of just, like, wanting more and more and more, you know, they've been designing a lot of good, you know, white cards, a lot of card advantage for white, stuff like that, but every time a new one comes out, the the first response is always, thanks, but when's the next one? Or thanks, but what's next? Or, this this yeah. is a good step in the right direction. That's what they say. They say, this is a good step, but we'll check back in a year and a half. That's what they say. And, like, this, this I don't know, like, what they want, right? Because... And I don't think this is the case outside of Commander, because I don't think there's players in, in you know, more, uh, you know, 60-card formats are really, you know, this this hyper-focused on a specific color getting certain yeah, cards, right? Yeah, and I, I apologize if we've said this before, but there's always this thing the Command Zone does where they're like, oh, White got 
however many good cards this set, but green got like twice that many good cards. So white isn't catching up to where green is at because green also got good cards. But the thing is, like those good green cards that might be coming out, and, and a lot of the time, is my opinion, they're not even that great. But people like uh, just hold white to such a higher standard that these green cards will come out and people will be like, green got so much more, better stuff. And now white needs to catch up to that. But really, like, those new green cards, they're not changing anything. People aren't... They're not better than the cards that already existed. Like, they put... This might be a bad example because you might disagree with me here, but they made the new Eternal Witness, right? Mm -hmm. The... the, When the Eternalize in Modern Horizons 2. I think it's a pretty good card, but I don't think it's better than Eternal Witness. And I don't think... I mean, you might want multiple Eternal Witnesses in your deck, but, like... They already have several other good ones, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I agree. You might want more of them, but it doesn't replace your Eternal Witness. It's not a strictly better Eternal Witness. And they have two or three other ones that are also in contention for that one. So, mm-hmm. but um, that's so something that I want to bring up here, just to put a kind of a last thing about this this uh, topic that I was talking about. But is that the Commander players, um, at least ones that you know have that this kind of um, they they want to see White do better and they want more from White. A problem that they, a thing they do that really frustrates me is it seems like they hold every white card to a level of scrutiny that is that they don't hold the other colors to. So what I mean by this is, you know, you'll see a white rare and it'll be kind of medium or, or you know, even a decent card and they'll be like, this could have been better. You could have fixed white by, or, you know, you could have, you know, made this a really good white card. But then, like, they'll look at half of the green cards in, in Modern Horizons 2 and they won't bat an eye about, you know, how they're not really commander playable. So that's a thing that really frustrates me. So for for example, that six mana white um, four six uh, card from Modern Horizons two, which says whenever you gain uh, life for the first time each turn, you put that many counters on each creature you control. Oh yeah, Nykthos Exemplar. Yeah. Um. They. Um. What was it? I think the uh, EDA Trekcast was talking about how like this card just they 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 could have they, they they talked about how this card was an example of wizards being too safe with white cards. Want to? Wow. This is a super perfect example of an overly conservative white design on a card i i agree i agree so and it's like i have never heard you say anything about you know any of the bad black red green or blue cards that are quote-unquote too safe and not pushed so i don't i don't like this level of scrutiny that white is being held to yeah and that card maybe is a victim of its status as a card that does appear to have been maybe at least mostly designed for commander like if we were going to go by that percentage like i could see you know, maybe it's okay in like for a limited format or like sure, maybe that's something. maybe that's like a seventy percent commander card or something, right? Yeah, and then that's maybe the reason that they uh, subjected to so much extra scrutiny. Yeah, but uh, did not try to make this about you know white cards, but it just kind of fits into that idea we were talking about of, of players getting more and more um, a little bit entitled um, about about magic card design, right? Maybe that's not the right way to say it, but. Something like that. Yeah, and they they make a lot of assumptions, too. Like, another thing that I think somebody said on the EDH Rec cast was like, oh, if this this white card was a green card, it would have cost two mana. It's like... It's it's super okay. Yeah, four mana is a lot for this. Um, Not to keep comparing stuff to green, but it wouldn't cost four mana in green. It would be one in a green or something. Instead of three mana No, you don't know that. Like, that's, that's not very charitable. Like, you're just like... You're assuming that there's, like, some, like... That Wizards is, like, trying to, like... Like, like there's the white is bad meme, and they're, like, trying to make that a thing. I really don't think they are. Yeah, that's a bit strange. But it, just to move on from that there, um, we should probably talk about, you know... If if we think, when they design cards for Commander, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? So I think we should kind of, or at least 
look at to what degree it is good and bad. So let's talk about some of the pros associated with them designing cards for Commander. Because I'm sure there's people that... I'm sure there's viewers among you guys that really like when they design cards for Commander and some that like kind of think they shouldn't be designing cards for Commander, right? Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of people that have just gotten a little bit a little bit sick of it. Yeah. So we're going to look at some of the, the upsides of it. Some good things that you can take away from this. And there's definitely a lot of good and bad, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, let's just start. Want to start off with the first one, Eli? Yeah, first thing we put down is it gives Wizards the ability to make cards that they think Commander players would like. Now, it seems like a pretty broad thing, but... I think, for the most part, you know, Wizards, they want to make money, so they want to make cards that people enjoy playing with. They want you to enjoy the game, right? Mm -hmm. So it gives them an an excuse to kind of design cards they think players will like. Now, whether or not they succeed in making cards they think players will like is a different story, but, like, at least it gives them the option to have more outlets to make cards for Commander, right? Mm -hmm. And I think everyone likes cards for... I mean, everyone likes Commander, playing Commander. (laughs) Everyone likes cards that they like, so... Hopefully they can make more cards that you like. Yeah, I mean, as much as people like to crap on Wizards sometimes, every time a new Commander product or, like, a series of decks comes out, I'll see people, like, talking about the new Commanders and how, how much they like the design. Or, like, they're like, oh, this this cool Commander, this one's new and it's really awesome. So there's always some good. Yeah, we probably wouldn't be getting uh, as much of that if they weren't designing specifically for Commander. There would still be cool legendary creatures and stuff from standard sets and things, but you would see, you know, a decent amount less of it, I would say. Mm-hmm. Alright, then our next thing is um, somewhat related, but it opens up new design space for Magic cards. So, for example, just the very most the most basic idea is cards like Command Tower, and we don't need to get into whether or not that's good or bad for the format, but it is a, you know, land that directly references something that only works in Commander, right? Yeah, and Commander has unique mechanics that can be referenced in cards specifically made for Commander, and these cards won't function on other formats, so you won't have to, like, compete with other formats for, uh, I guess, like, your your card, like, prices and stuff. Like, yeah. Like, if they make a card with, a, like, Oloro, Ageel- the Ageless, Ageless Headache, whatever his name is, yeah. um, you know, he's got the effect where when he's in your command zone or on the field, he gains two life every one of your upkeeps. And, you know, that's a card that is designed only because they're designing cards for a commander product. They could not make that card in, like, a standard set or something like that. Yeah, and I think they've gotten better about this, whereas, like, not that it was specifically linked to a commander-based mechanic, but, like, in the original, or, I mean, the I think the second year of Commander Precons, they made something like True Name Nemesis. Yeah. And, like, what, Flusterstorm? Yeah, those were in the, um, um, the Grixis uh, commander deck, whatever that one was called. Um, Jaleva, I think. Something like that. Yeah, I think uh, True Name was in Jaleva, yep. and then uh, Flusterstorm was, was in, in uh, Riku. Yeah, but, um... You know, they, I think, you know, love or hate the um, mechanics from the command zone, whatever you say about them, I think there definitely is some potential to make cool, interesting cards. So, for example, like, I imagine, there, you know, some of you might not like Olero because he sits there and gains two life every turn, but do you hate every single, like, eminence mechanic or something like that? Because, you know, I, I would venture to guess that there's at least one that you like, or at least if you don't like one of them, they could make one in the future that you might like. So, for example, you know, like the Ur-Dragon, who has that ability that reduces the cost of your dragons, or the cat, um, what is that card that called? That makes it so, like, if you have a cat in your yeah, combat. Arbo. Yeah, or Arbo. You know, you give you can pump up a cat on your, be on your combat. You know, or just a couple examples of cards that have, you know, effects from the command zone that let them kind of make interesting new cards. Yeah, obviously they have to be a little bit careful with mechanics like that. Yeah. But I think mostly, like, I mean, those cards exist right now, and... 
I don't really hear anybody being like, like, oh my gosh, like I don't like Eminence, but you know, it's yeah. it's broken. Or yeah, or like, um, what is it? Experience counters is another example of that, right? Or um, I guess the one that people would probably take issue with, if any of them, would be Derevi, right? Because he's got that ability to put him into play from the command zone. Yeah, and and I'm kind of in that camp. Like I think Derevi is kind of dumb, but like it's not it's not broken. Oh, it's and just, the it's uh, annoying. And the commander ninjutsu Yuriko, right? Yuriko no, is Yuri- broken. <laughs> yeah, that one's also pretty good. I but hate, like freaking hate Yuriko. But even if they make a couple broken cards, like that does that's not to say that they shouldn't have the ability to use these mechanics. So, like, for example, like, this is just a hypothetical, and I wouldn't even necessarily be happy about this sort of thing, but, like, let's say they make some crazy new commander that's, like, you can't even cast it from your command zone, but it has, like, an effect every turn or something, right? Like, that's some, like, like I said, I probably wouldn't even like that that much, but, like, the idea that we can, like, kind of go in that direction might be... There's potential to have some good design of cards, right? There's potential for it, at least. Yeah, I quite like the mechanic that, like, rewards you for playing your commander more times. Like, the Commander Storm cards, or they'll occasionally have, like... I think they have, like, Commander's Insignia that's, like, uh, an anthem for the amount of times you've played your commander. Yeah. Cards like that, I think, are pretty neat. Or, like, Jessica. That, like, scale up. Like, they kind of reward you for, for first having to play your commander, and then, like, if it keeps getting killed and, like, you go later into the game... it. It scales up. I think those cards are pretty neat. Yeah, so that's a cool thing that only comes from, you know, Commander product, which I think is really cool. Um, so that that's, you know, another... another. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. I like that a lot. So next we have um, the idea that, you know, if they're designing cards for Commander, especially at the rate that they are right now, where they're designing a lot of, lot of Commander product, mm-hmm. it means we're going to get, you know, more support for tons of different kinds of strategies. So, like, for example... Um, they, they just, I mean, this isn't necessarily for Commander, but they just, you know, release a bunch of squirrel um, tribal cards. Like, people have been wanting that for a long time. Maybe not myself, but, you know, that's a that's a strategy that people have been interested in. You know, they, they made Ozgear, the Reconstructor, in a Commander product. People have been wanting, you know, a lot of these, you know, kind of Equipment Matters um, cards they added in to there. So, like, you get a lot of support for different kinds of uh, playstyles, right? Yeah, like, up until, um you know, Commander Legends... Like, you could make a pirate deck, but not, like, a really good pirate deck. But now, like, we have a friend that, that plays a pirate partner's deck with a lot of cards just from Commander Legends and then some, like, supplemental, like, tribal good stuff cards. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's a really good deck now. It's actually, like, really, really strong. Just with, like, you know, a solid 10 or 15 cards for Commander Legends, it's actually, there's, like, a lot of really good pirates now. Like, there's the one that, that, that uh, Treasonous Axe something, whenever it or another pirate... Comes into play? Yeah, Coercive Recruiter. That card is amazing, and so is the, um, what, Malcolm, when it gets a million treasures all the time. Yeah, Malcolm the Navigator and Breach is the yeah. goblin pirate guy. <laughs> his position is. Yeah, um, but, so these are things that, you know, could possibly come from standard sets and stuff like that, but not nearly at the pace, right? Well, and I think that that deck is strong now off the back of those cards they designed in Commander Legends to be good in pirate tribal decks. Yes, yes. So that's really cool, and I like that. But that being said, you know, I think this is a good transition to move on to some of the cons of com- of, uh, of design cards or Commander, um, especially right now, is that I, I think a lot of us are experiencing uh, a phenomenon known as uh, product fatigue yeah, related so, to Commander. So we were saying how lots of new cards gives you more options and stuff to play with, and it supports more strategies, but that's kind of a, it's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Because, like, lately... You know, just in the last year or two, like last year was the year of Commander, right? And mm-hmm. it seems like this year we're getting even more Commander product than last year. 
and you know there's there's an argument of whether that is going to continue or not but like you know now that we're getting commander decks with almost every set release and like every set kind of feels like a commander set even if it's not the case like for example time spiral remastered wasn't a commander set and it was all reprints but like it feels like a commander set because it's like oh these foil blinged out versions of all these commander cards right so it can get very very um like like i said fatiguing as a player trying to keep up you know as soon as a spoiler season ends a new one starts and it's like oh i gotta look at all these commander cards yeah i've gotten to the point where i almost kind of pick and choose which sets I'm going to invest in because you you can't afford to... I mean, the average person can't afford to buy product from every Magic set now. Yeah, I mean... realistic. Unless you're just getting a couple singles, but, like, also, like, it's a significant time investment for you to... For me, at least, to update my decks. So, you know, I'll probably only update my decks every couple sets or so, and that's... And I only have, like, four decks. Like, imagine if you have 30 decks, like some players... Yeah, I have, um, I think, around 15 decks right now. And and I have to be very careful, even with that amount of decks lately, to make sure when I see a new card come out that I'm sure it's better than what I have in my deck right now. Because I've had cards that I'll, from a new set that'll come out, and I'll try them out in my deck, and I'll switch that card out of my deck before I've even played with it, because then the next set comes out and something better comes out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just to clarify, when I said I have four decks, I mean, I, I'm the kind of person who likes to take decks apart and build new ones, so I've probably played over, you know, 20 or 30 decks in my Commander, you know, history, but, right. you know, just four at the moment. Don't don't judge me for not, you know, don't call me like a Commander newbie. No, I, I, think you, I think you've got the right idea, because I even had to with one of my recent decks I wanted to make. I was like, I just... I wanted to make a new Boros deck, but I knew I shouldn't, so I'm like, I I don't have that much fun playing my mono red deck, I'll just take that one apart and use make... a lot of the same cards. Yeah, yeah. Well, another thing that, you know, is kind of a, a problem for, you know, designing cards for Commander is that, I mean, I, I don't know about you, Eli, but I think sometimes when Watsi designs cards that they think are fun for Commander, they end up just being kind of unfun, or like, they miss they miss the mark, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I've heard some people discuss the idea that um, Wizards is trying to manufacture, like, the fun and the political side of Commander, like, within their products, like, within the pre-cons, they'll have, like, stuff like the Vow Cycle or, like, Curses and stuff that is trying to, like, maybe it's a good thing to incentivize, like, politics and, like, interaction between players, but sometimes I think they miss the mark a little bit. Yeah, or, like, the hidden choose a player uh, to choose a hid player, hidden information cards or whatever, right? Yeah, and a lot of those cards are fine in the environment of playing pre-cons against each other and, like, can be good in those games, but those are the cards I think... I don't see people actually play a lot of those cards in their actual decks. Yeah, I think, like you like you were telling me earlier today, Eli, before we did the episode, the Vows um, are cards that, while they're pretty fun in a pre-con environment, they're the first cards to get cut from any pre-con, for sure, right? Yeah, they're very low power and low impact a lot of the time. That being said, you know, I, I think there's something to be said about making cards that can fill out and have a good pre-con experience and then you can replace them. That's not, like, inherently bad. Mm-hmm. But, like, cards like Aeon Engine out of one of the recent pre-cons from a year ago or two yeah, years ago. Yeah, this is our go-to example. It was in the Anji Falconrath deck. Yeah. And it's a five-mana artifact that enters tapped and you can tap it and exile it to reverse the turn order which is a super unique effect for Magic. And I'm glad that it is, because as it turns out, reverse the turn. Like, people are like, oh, it's funny, it's like an Uno. (laughs) Well, see, that works in Uno, because uh, that's a a much faster game. Much more simple, yeah. In Commander, how that works is you play Aeon Engine, 
and you pass to the your turn to the next player. And at the end of that player's turn, you can activate your Aeon Engine, and it goes back to your turn. So what you've done, the person who's going to go after the the player going after you, they just lose their turn. Yeah. And, like, I don't... It's not particularly fun, either. I don't... It just seems like such a... Like, like, like what you're doing is, like, you're using your whole... First of all, you're using, like, your whole turn, I mean, in the early game, to play, like, a five-mana cost artifact, right? And then, like, you're going to wait a whole turn for it to come around, then you're going to just get, like one turn after the turn after you, or you can try to do it at, like, a random time to, like, kingmake or something. I don't know. The The card is... I, I'm, I'm very adamant that this card is, like, the opposite of fun to play with or play against. It feels terrible every time for everybody. That's my... I'm Now, that's a bit of a hot take there, but I'm, I'd, 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 I'd go out on a limb on that. Yeah, if... Uh, absolutely. If you have any ideas on what you think the worst, like, artificial fun card that's been made for Commander is... Let us know, because I'd like to know if there's one worse than Aeon Engine, but... Or if you actually have done, or, like, seen something fun happen with Aeon Engine, I'd be interested to hear that, but I just... I don't buy it. I don't think yeah. it's... I've... So... Like... The funniest thing you can do with Aeon Engine is to make, like, infinite tokens of it, and then just, like, keep reversing the turn order so that one person doesn't get a turn ever. That's a little bit funny, but, like, it's not actually fun. <laughs> but... Yeah. As a... I've... I'm someone who has... I'm just going to say, I've played the Anji Falconrath uh, pre-con more than most people, probably. I've probably played, you know, 20 or 30 games of just the pre-con, mm-hmm. um, like, like straight out the box or whatever, just because, you know, it'd be a, it was a deck that we had at um, some place that we'd play, and, you know, I would get tired of my decks and be like, hey, let me pull out that pre-con. I actually really like that deck. And, you know, that deck made me want to build my current Anji deck that I have because it was just so fun. And um, the best thing about Anji is that you can just loot away all these terrible, unfun cards yeah. that you draw. So, like, there's a couple cards in that 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 deck that just like kind of are are super expensive and do nothing, like Aeon Engine, that you can just get rid of right away. And I did try to use it one or two times, and it was absolutely disgustingly Ooh. terrible. Oh, look, I drew Aeon Engine in the trash. Exactly, right away. Well, you know, so moving on from the idea of wizards kind of being not exact, like not always being on the dot for what they think is fun or whatever for Commander. Um, there's the issue of, like, power creep in Commander products. Because when they're designing cards specifically for Commander, sometimes there's an argument that they go too far and they make cards that are kind of broken for the format. Yeah, they make, like, super staples sometimes. Yeah, and maybe that's not a great thing. Maybe we don't want to have super staples for Commander. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, I'm not going to say definitively that that's the case, but there's a strong argument against them, right? Yeah, I think we're both of the opinion that... We, we very rarely would say, this card goes in every deck of this color. I don't like to say that. Because you might have reasons why you don't want to do something, and there's there's always a reason you can make why you don't want to play a card. Even if, like, the deck would be better with a card in it, like, you don't always want to be doing that thing, right? Like, maybe because it's you just don't want to be that guy, or maybe it's you don't, don't have fun winning this way every time. But, like, not every red deck that I build will have Dockside Extortionist in it, even if it would probably be better with it in it. But I think if there's a card that comes out in a Commander Precon where somebody could easily make the argument, this goes in even 80% of decks with this color in it. I think that might be uh, might... Some, some cause for concern, maybe. Yeah, there might be a, at least a, a, you know, a hint that maybe they should try to avoid that in the future. So, like, a couple cards just to mention are, you know, Teferi's Protection, uh, Dockside Extortionist, the Free Cycle, Fierce Guardianship, Deflecting Swat, Deadly Relic, mostly those three, not the other two as much. Um, these are examples of cards that are pretty much 
as close to auto-includes as you can get without actually being the case. And, um, well, maybe not Deadly Rollick, but whatever. But the idea is, like, one of the big problems with this is that these cards get expensive. And they're not printed, they're not reprinted anywhere else, at least yet. I guess Teferi's uh, production was recently, but when that card was at its height, it was like $50, $60. And now it's, I think, $30, something like that? Yeah, it's. I think it's still always going to be a card like that, where it's just, it's so strong. And Teferi's Protection, to me, is like one of the white cards that I personally would put in just about every one of my white decks mm-hmm. if I could. And I think Dockside's like $60, but th- the point here is that I mean, there's two there's two issues. One is the issue of power level, and the other is the issue of, of of cost, right? Like 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 price, monetary value, and I think they're both problems, right? Yeah. So in a commander precon set, if a card is marked at the rare rarity, what that means, or what I've learned that means, is that means it's just in one of the precons. If it's an uncommon, that means it's probably in in all of them, or you know, or like a common. But if it's a rare, that means it's just in one deck. Yeah, this is an actually interesting thing that you tipped me off to earlier, Eli. So, like for example, I think what was it? Bonders ornament is a card that they made, and that was an uncommon in the Commander precons, and that showed up in all four of or all five of them. Yep, that one's that one's common. That's in all of them. So what? I think an uncommon might be it's in like a couple of them. Oh yeah, that's a common. You're right, because it's in Popper and stuff. Um, so for example, you know, the rare is like Archaeomancer's map, which is pretty pretty good great good card right that's a rare and it's only in the Osgear deck mm-hmm. so that's an interesting thing maybe you know maybe they should try to just reprint these cards more that's what i would like right yeah if, if there was a way to get these cards in some other product because like having to buy a whole commander deck just for one card like i remember our local game store had like a black friday sale or something where they had the deck with dockside in it the mystic intellect for like 30 bucks or something, and I'm like, well, well I guess I have to buy that because I want another Dockside Extortionist, and that cost $30 yeah. at the time that at I bought that. At the time, that. yeah. So it was kind of like a, a no-brainer, right? And maybe that's not a great thing, right? It also, when they make these really, really powerful cards that are like going every deck, it drives up the price because they eliminated MSRP. So, you know, the, the I think the, the deck with um, Archaeomancer's map, the Osgear deck, is the most expensive of all the... Uh, yeah, it this... has the highest overall value of all the precons, so they have to, like, stores, and, and they should probably, like, mark up the price a little bit to make sure that people don't just, like, buy those out yeah, and no they don't get sell them. out of it. But yeah, that's a, that's, that's a, an unfortunate consequence of when they make cards specifically for Commander, right? Um, do you want to talk about this, um, this, uh, Clearing Community College, uh, video? Yeah, so um, when we were doing the the notes for this, we went back and tried to get some other opinions, and I remember, I think it was way back in 2016 now was when this episode was from, but the professor and Josh Lee Kwai from the Command Zone, they used to do this series called In Response, where it was like a debate show, and it was actually a pretty good series. It's too bad that they uh, they stopped it, I guess. Um, you know, Josh is probably just a lot busier now, but I wish the professor would restart it with somebody else. And on their first episode, they debated about, like like we're talking about here, are c- cards that are designed just for Commander a good thing or a bad thing for the format? And the professor took the stance of that they are not good for Commander. Mm-hmm. Or at least, he, you know, he argued that stance in the video. He might not agree fully with it, but, you know, you have to take one... In a debate, you have to take both... You have to take a side, right? Yeah. So, one of the things that... One of his arguments um, against, you know, cards designed for Commander is that... Cards like his, he mentioned cards like Command Tower, Commander's Sphere, and Homeward Path 
being cards that kind of reduce your deck size because they kind of just are like auto-includes in your deck. So he says, you know, we have a 98-card uh, commander deck now with commander with command towers, 97-card with commander's sphere, and, then, and so on and so forth with other cards that they print for commander. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this, uh, Eli? Yeah, so um, I I see what he's saying, and I can I can empathize with his position, but I I disagree with the idea that you have to like just because a card is like good or like like the they were talking about the commanders the command tower thing and how and then Josh like his point back was to say well like what are you replacing your if it's a land that they're doing this with like what are you missing like you're just replacing like a a basic land out of your deck with it yeah and that that's a decent rebuttal but it doesn't it also doesn't work for the non-land cards right right and so specifically the professor at this time his example of a non-land card was commander's sphere which which i would argue isn't even doesn't even make the cut for like most people yeah i think commander's sphere i mean it, i it's my Probably one of my favorite three mana mana rocks, but I tend not to run as many of them as I used to, right? And I don't think Commander's Sphere makes the cut a decent amount of the time, yeah. Yeah, there's a, a lot of people that just don't like three mana mana rocks. Anymore. Granted, this was in 2016, so the environment was different. Probably was more popular back then, right? But um, you know, I I'm a I'm a person who who I'm very willing to not play um you know cards that other people will play you know and for whatever reason I want like I didn't I made a um I made a Thricksmithsy's um, the Slumbering Isle deck at one point where I just played basic lands. I didn't even play Command Tower because I was you know call me a bad person, but I was playing uh, back or back to basics in that deck, and that was I opened one in a pack and I was like, oh, this could be fun to just you know, and I'll play all basics whatever, right? And my deck probably wouldn't even wouldn't have even been worse if I played a Command Tower, but I just didn't feel the need to. And I think that's a thing that Commander players should try to move towards is is like being okay not playing quote unquote staples like. You can if you want to, but you shouldn't feel... You should try to not feel forced to, I think. Yeah, you shouldn't feel like you have to play something. You don't need to play a Soul Ring. I think, Eli, you have a deck that doesn't play Soul Ring, I correct? have a couple decks that don't play Soul Ring, and I saw... I think it was um, Rachel Weeks of the Commander Advisory Group doing a poll on Twitter asking for some advice on, like, a card to cut, and she was like... She had a Rakdos Lord of Riots deck, and that's the... He costs red, red, black, black, mm-hmm. and he already like reduces the colorless cost of all your big Eldrazi and stuff in that deck once you get him out. And she's like, you know, I think I might want to cut Soul Ring from this deck. Like, what do you guys think or something like that? And everyone was just like, man, you gotta play Soul Ring though. You gotta you have know. to. And you know, it is pretty compelling. Like, Soul Ring's a great card, obviously, but like, you know, I there there's there's at least a, a thought to be had there about you know what? It's not act- maybe we're taking for granted the idea of well, not for granted, but we're. You know, we're not really examining the fact that, you know, Soul Ring is a card that you have to choose to play in your deck. You don't just, it's not just going in right before you put any cards in the deck, right? Yeah, if you're somebody like the Professor that feels like, well, I mean, Soul Ring exists, so I, I have to play Soul Ring in my deck, and that takes away some of my agency, why don't you just take that back? You can cut the Soul Ring out of your deck. Yeah, you don't, you know, you can you can take take back your agency. There you go, I like that. If that bothers you, like, you have that choice, and, like, I wouldn't ever, if somebody told me, I don't play Soul Ring in any of my decks, I'd be like, that's really cool, actually. Mm-hmm. You probably have more unique decks than I'm, I'm used to seeing if you're doing stuff like that, I think. Yeah. So another, um, you know, a positive and a negative. We'll start, I'll start off with the positive is that, or you could argue either way, but Commander is a format, uh, it's an eternal format, which means, like, there's no rotation or whatever to get your cards to rotate out. And the rules committee for Commander is very conservative with bannings. This is the part that could be positive or negative. You might You might disagree or agree whether... You know, they should ban more cards or unban more cards. But that's neither here or there. 
what is um, a potential downside is that, you know, when Wizards makes a new powerful card, for example, you know, the Commander Legends, you know, Hullbreacher type stuff, you know, it's if it's not getting banned, which it probably won't get banned, it's going to stick around for most of the format, right? Forever, potentially. Yeah. So that's a possible downside, was whenever Wizards makes these quote-unquote mistakes, you know, we're kind of stuck with them unless the Rules Committee decides to take action. Yeah, so I think um, most Commander players are broken up into two camps. There's either a group of people who think that like five or ten cards should be taken off of the ban list because they're just not that good anymore, or there's people who think the ban list should be like an extra hundred cards. Yeah, and you know, just just for clarity, I think you and I, Eli, are generally in the camp of less banned cards the better like we don't want a bunch of new banned cards i'm frankly i think i'm more or less happy with where we are now i I, think so yeah so just i'm i guess i'm a status quo chinist um if that's even a word um but uh yeah there's 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 definitely some debate among that yeah so it's it's a it's a big concern of a lot of people and when like you said whenever some new card comes out and it seems like it's it's like super ubiquitous and and everyone's just gonna play it all the time, uh, everyone's up in arms about it, and they're like, you've got to ban this card, I don't want to see it. But but then there's also the, the side of people who are like, well, if you don't like seeing this card and you, you think your group is going to abuse it, you have that Rule Zero discussion, like mm-hmm. we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing that sometimes it feels like people fall back on that to be like, whoa, chill out. If you don't like Hulk Reacher, just, just tell everyone not to play it. Yeah. So that's definitely definitely a, uh, a con of... The mistakes they can make when printing cards for 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 commander, like they could make these mistakes in cards for like cards designed for like a standard or a modern format, but I think they're less likely to have this you know big impact on commander because they're not always you know they wouldn't always be templated in a way that's you know necessary for multiplayer formats and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So so the example of things like uh, like whole breacher or opposition agent. I those cards feel to me like we were talking about wizards sometimes misunderstanding like the the, the politics cards or like the fun cards like those seem to me as like them misunderstanding like like we went over the philosophy document or we've talked about like the spirit of commander before and that seems to me that there was some misunderstanding about like what people want out of commander mm-hmm. and like if they had just like said well we designed some cards in here for like CEDH well that that'd be fine I could see that like those are designed for kind of a different way to play Commander. Yeah, if, I mean, maybe that's what they need to do. Maybe they need to be more transparent about how in, what individual cards are designed for. Because if they, let's say, for example, they designed Hullbreacher and then the Wizard specifically said, this was a card that we designed with CDH in mind, maybe players would be more willing to house rule ban it or something because it's not, quote, you know what I'm saying? Maybe there'd be a, a some sort of thing they could do there. Yeah, there's some people that, that put forward that they think there should be a separate ban list for CDH as opposed to regular commander. And uh, what's your thoughts on that? Like, so what do you think? yeah, I, I, I mean, I see the, I see the idea, right? Like, there's certain things that people want and they don't want to play. But like, I really think that's just too divisive of a change. And I don't. And I'm and generally, I'm general. I'm not in favor of of separating um, CDH from EDH because. One of my biggest um, examples I give when I talk about this is that, you know, what do you consider CEDH versus regular commander, right? If it's if it's like fast combo wins or whatever with certain CEDH level cards, you could, like, what would a deck with 90 basic forests and 10 CEDH combo cards be? Would that be a CEDH deck or a casual EDH deck? That, right. It's really hard to 
kind of distinguish that. Or maybe even like a, a more an example more realistically, forty lands, you know, fifty um vanilla creatures and then like a back a backdoor, you know, flash hulk or something, right? Wind condition. You know, it's a little 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 breakfast hulk combo in there, you know? Um so it's really, it's really not. I, I honestly just think you know, CDH and EDH are are just the same format, just different extremes, right? I definitely agree. I definitely think that. Yeah, it's just like it's different um, mindsets, maybe? divisions, or yeah. Sure. CDH is a subset of EDH, I would argue. Yeah, yeah. So if anyone tries tries to tell a CDH player that they're not a commander player, not an EDH player, I would wholeheartedly disagree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I, I know, Eli, just a moment ago, before we talked about CDH, you were mentioning about how, um, you know, Wizards um, designing cards with Commander in mind, and, like, you know, they're trying to f- make stuff that they think is fun for Commander. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's something interesting to bring up, right, Eli? Well, well gosh, wouldn't it be nice if, uh, so we, we have the Commander Rules Committee, people are very passionate about Commander and have a very distinct idea on what... Commander should be about and disagree or agree with the rules committee. They're, they're you know they are the forefront of the format. Right. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say they have the best intentions for Commander. Maybe that's a some people disagree with that, but I think they do care about the game a lot and they want people to be happy and having a good time. And even if they may fail sometimes to understand what players really want, you know, they're I think they're trying their best. They're clearly trying. Like they they made a whole like separate like group of people to try and like get a better read on that. That was the rules. Uh, the rules advise the advi- rules. Of, no rules advisory group, right? Or no the commander, commander advisory. Sorry, group. I was confusing that with a rules advisor, which is a thing you can be before a judge. But they made you know that's an example of the the rules committee trying to find more perspectives to kind of keep them in line, right? Keep themselves mm-hmm. in line. But you know there was actually an example just recently of Sheldon, who's kind of the the head the head public figure, not to say that he's in charge of the rules committee, but he's the most public facing. Yeah. He actually went to wizards for a couple months and helped them, um, design the Strixhaven, uh, commander deck. Right. Yeah. And I think he even had some, uh, I, I know at least he visited there around like the design of uh, commander legends. I don't know how much influence he had. Cause like, I, I, I struggle to believe that Sheldon would have been like, I mean, not that he could like stop them from doing anything, but if they were like making like whole breach or an opposition agent, they were like, Hey Sheldon, what do you think of these cards? I I doubt that he would be like, those are epic cards. I love those. Those are epic for the win cards. <laughs> no, um, I, yeah. I can't believe that he uh, was aware of those really. But yeah, he worked on the uh, the Strixhaven Commander decks. He was actually part of the design team for the Silver Quill deck. Yeah, and you know I think that is a really good example of ways that Wizard is trying to kind of get the community's response to cards, like or to to, to design or whatever, right? Like like. They're, like, that's a way that they're trying to key in on what Commander players uh, really want, kind of outsourcing that to prominent members of the community. And while those members of the community may not represent all players, I think it's going to probably be a better representation than whatever Wizards, you know, thinks internally, right? Yeah, and, um, you know, we might not personally enjoy, like, that kind of, like, forced politics, um, you know, manufactured fun cards, but... Sheldon's deck was kind of built to be like that that kind of pillow fort like prison style of deck and and I think I've mostly seen pretty positive receptions to that deck. I was pretty happy with it. I mean like even I didn't play it but like I think you know that that was I mean I think he did a good job. I'm going to say that. Good job Sheldon. And not to attribute all of the successes of Strixhaven Commander to Sheldon like specifically but notably we were talking about how like you these other precons had these staple cards in them like Dockside Extortionist or Teferi's Protection. 
I don't think this year of Commander decks had any cards like that. No. Like we said, Archaeomancer's map is probably the most expensive card at that around is, $20. Yep, and then the second most expensive card is Monologue Tax at $10, and everything else is cheaper than that, so... And I think Archaeomancer's map is a good card, but I don't think either of those cards are a card that you can make the argument, this goes in, like, over 60% of, like, white decks. Like, I don't think that's the case for those. Yeah, and I think that's good that they're that these aren't, like, these kind of go-in-everything staple cards. But more along just lines of, like, good cards that can go in good decks, right? Yeah, and they're they're really fair, too. Like, they're three-mana white cards that just, like, make you some... Resource? Yeah, they just, like, generate you a small resource. Like, yeah, and, and they're And cards. they're pushed enough that they're good, right? Yeah, that's what I would like to see more of. Like, not cards that are, like... I think sometimes when they make cards, like, quote, for Commander, they just, like, make a really expensive card that does, like, a mediocre thing. It's like, well, this card's too bad for other formats, so... It's, it's a for Commander you guys, card, Lamau. No, yeah, but so what do we what do we want wizards to do, right? Because like I think I believe that commander players will complain. I mean, because everyone complains. Magic players will complain. Will complain, you know, either way if they decide to go completely hands off with commander, not make cards for it, or if they, you know, go overboard and make 40, you know, commander sets a year. Um is there a happy medium in in the middle that we think we can compromise on? I think that's probably the case, but I think players will still be unhappy with it, right? So what can they do? Well, I think, I don't know, like I said, like maybe I'm, maybe it's just a happy accident that things turned out so well for Strixhaven Commander. But I think that's a really good example of like a, a year where I think everyone liked those decks. They yeah. liked the Commanders. And it didn't have anything that really had anybody up in arms. Like, was there a big controversy around like the com- Strixhaven Commander that you remember? No, I don't think so. I think people generally were very happy with the Boros deck. They thought it was... Right. Yeah, so if, if there's not a Boros thing to complain about, there's nothing to complain about, right? Exactly, that's what I was going to say. The metric is, like, yeah, people are pretty happy with Ozgear, so if they didn't have a complaint there, they didn't have one anywhere. I mean, maybe they uh, maybe, maybe they, they missed were... the mark in a couple of the, uh, the Silver Quill cards, because like I said, those were kind of like supposed to be like group hug, like politics cards. But, I mean, if that's what you enjoy, then then those cards are great. Yeah, and, you know, one thing I want to bring up really quickly is that, um, so there's this there's this concept in Commander about, you know, players being, or not Commander, I guess Magic in general, players being, you know, unhappy with the, the thought of a card. So, for example, I'm a person who probably wouldn't like these, you know, crazy new, like, very, 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 like, unique design choices, like something that go like, for example, they made, like, 20 new Planeswalker Commanders, right? Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't be very in favor of that. But I want to bring up, do players even really know what they want? Because I might I would tell you that and I would say that. And I'd be pretty pretty um pretty sure that I wouldn't like that. But the second they make a planeswalker commander that I think is really cool, I'm gonna be like, actually, you know, it's actually not that bad, honestly. So I think there's this concept of of players not entirely knowing what they want um until they see it. And that makes it really hard for wizards to design cards because you know, they they can be there can be a decent outcry against certain you know big format warp, warping things, but sometimes players will just like like it when they actually do it. Maybe that's a uh, an overall like that we're in favor of the large amount of commander products because maybe it gives them more chances to kind of like to test wa- the waters yeah. and more more chances to like you know boil the frog. They say like you know if you put the frog in in hot water like right away it's going to jump out, but if you put it in there and you slowly turn the water up and you kind of test what people are willing to tolerate well yeah and like you know people there was a lot of backlash around this isn't directly commander related but like around stuff like like the secret layer of the walking dead 
And, you know, I, I mean, you may disagree, but I think Wizards did did see that and is probably going to adjust the way that they approach that sort of stuff. I understand that they're still doing the universes beyond, but, you know, I think the backlash does have an effect. So when they make these new commander changes, I think people's reception to that will be really important. And when I say reception to that, I mean what they actually do, not what they say before the product comes out, what actually the result is after they make it, right? Yeah, and I think there's very anti-Wizards... Rhetoric? Uh, ...magic players, and yeah, like like Rhetoric, where people think that Wizards, like, as long as they're getting their money, like, they don't they don't care, like, they're not going to change anything. But then then why, like, have somebody like Sheldon come and help design a commander Yeah, what, what would be the purpose of that if, if you know, they just kind of want to keep the status quo and not look to make people happier, right? Yeah, so I think, I take that as a good sign. Whatever you think of Sheldon as a person, like, I, I think... He did a good job. For sure. And, you know, I think just to, to kind of put a pin in it, um, you know, I think you might have been able to tell this. I think you and I, Eli, are generally in favor of Wizards making Commander product and making cards for Commander with some, you know, notable exceptions of maybe there's too much product coming out yeah, too quickly. With, with a few caveats. Maybe maybe they make some card. Maybe they have some, some kind of... Um, quote-unquote fun cards that we think are not very fun, and maybe they make a couple too powerful cards that are too expensive. Mm -hmm. I think those are our main concerns, but overall, overall, I think we're pretty happy with, you know, Commander product, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, that's about what we got for the um, main topic of the show, but now I think we're going to ta start talking about our, you know, magic drama of the last couple weeks, even though this whole episode's been a little bit about that, right? Magic drama. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Takes Tuesday. <laughs> um... So recently, uh, with Modern Horizons 2, uh, Sheldon wrote an article on Star City Games, as he is one to do. He does that every once in I a while. I think he has like a weekly article series. Yeah. And he did his uh, top 20 commander cards in Modern Horizons 2. And at the start of that article, he, he has this, this quote, I wrote it down here, and it's, uh, Modern Horizons 2 reinforces that wheels are the unhealthiest thing in commander, with cards like Dothy Voidwalker and Sanctifier on Vec. And Guy as well, I suppose. This is of a deep concern to me, and is going to undergo a great deal of thought. Banning an entire class of cards is awkward at best, potentially politically suicidal at worst. I know that folks love wheels, so it gets more even more difficult. There seems like no good answers at the moment, but I'd really like to look for them. Hey, you asked for more transparency, so there's a good window into my head. Note that the rest of the RC may not share my views on this particular subject. So this, you know, kind of uh, thing that he wrote in his article sparked a lot of discussion on um, places like YouTube, Reddit, and Twitter. You know, all of the all of the key places for Magic the Gathering, uh, you know, discussion, right? Yeah, and I'm not sure if I think this even might have come after there was a big discussion on Magic Twitter about wheels, sparked on by somebody else. I'm not sure who started. I know um, was it Shivam? I know Shivam. Had a, had a tweet about it that got a lot of traffic, but it might have been somebody else that had started the discussion and he just, you know, hopped onto it. So yeah, Eli, there's a lot of things to kind of cover here, but um, to, you know, just, just to be very transparent and very clear, let's just say at the start that I, I, I think you agree with me, Eli, but I am not in favor of them banning a class of cards, like for example you know, wheels or counter spells or anything along those lines. I, you know, I think, you know, less bans the better, right? Well, so, so here's the thing about that. And as far as like Sheldon wondering what they can do about it or what they should do about it, 
um, by the way the ban list works in that, like, they ban a, a card as, like, an example to say, we don't like this kind of card, it's not the kind of card you should be playing in Commander. Yeah. They banned Leovold. They did the thing that they could do for this kind of discussion. Like, if if you're saying that wheels are a problem, they're a problem because of cards like that that make wheels yep. abusive. And then they banned the Leovold, but... So they banned kind of the king an, of the, the wheel breakers. To kind of set an example. The problem with that, though, I think, is that, you know, when they keep making cards like Dothy Voidwalker, players might kind of forget about that and not associate Dothy Voidwalker as kind of a wheels card. And, you know, when it, think what you want about that card. It's not quite the same, but... Right, yeah, I do understand that, that people might not be aware of that criteria they have for banning stuff, or people might be even unhappy with it. I know a lot of people are unhappy with how the rules committee runs the ban list like that, because... That is a very different way to run a ban list than, say, in like other formats of Magic. For sure. Um, one thing that I want to just mention here, real quick, is that you know, I there, there's concerns raised um, about you know this this kind of idea of Sheldon wanting to ban all the cards, and I think those concerns are fair. You know, the the you know the idea of you know Sheldon quote unquote wanting to ban you know all these cards. You know, as a player who likes wheels, that can be very troubling, right? You don't want the cards you love playing with to get banned, or you might think that, you know, Sheldon is is kind of off his rocker or something, or he's, like, not, you know, he's not, like, on on level, level I with the rest of the format. I think I've heard a lot of players say things like, oh, Sheldon just is talking out of his ass because, you know, he's playing with his play group and that's all he plays with. And they play with, like, yeah. Like, oh, what did Sheldon lose to this week? Yeah, that's what people say. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's kind of funny, honestly. <laughs> but um, do, we, do we get a, how many swears do we get per episode? Uh, we get nine swears. Okay, if you're still doing the what did Sheldon lose to this week thing, just fuck off, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's a little bit that's overplayed. Such a dick thing to say, like... I mean, like, yeah, you probably shouldn't um, discredit his opinion by just saying he must have lost that card. That's probably pretty shitty to do. But there is... I, I, I get the valid concern of that. That being said... Forgive me if I'm, I'm talking too much, Eli. I've got to give you a word here oh, eventually. Sorry for the, 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 the... Whatever. That being said, um, I feel... If, if we look at this quote, I feel like Sheldon did a pretty good job... Probably about as good as he could have done with caveating his message saying banning the entire class of cards is awkward at best, potentially politically suicidal at worst. What does that imply? That they're not going to do it, right? He also said, I know folks love wheels, so it gets even more difficult. Another, you know, acknowledgement that players like the cards, right? I know that there's no good answers, but I'm going to look for them. Not directly saying, you know, anything about banning the cards. And then he said, also says, you know... The rest of the rules committee probably doesn't agree with me. He said may not agree mm-hmm. with me. Probably doesn't agree with me. So I think that even the fact... I think the fact that he did all, all that was very good of Sheldon. And he did about as good as he could do to caveat that. I don't think any reasonable person could come away thinking that he's going to ban wheels. That being said, you know, the, the, the takeaway from that, from Magic players, was that he's going to ban wheels, right? Yeah, and, you know, first time I read through this article... I read this paragraph and I, I like straight disagree with Sheldon on this. Like he specifically mentions like Modern Horizons two reinforcing that wheels are unhealthy, and then the cards that he mentions are Dothy Voidwalker, Sanctifier Unvec, and Gaia's Will. So the only one of those to me that even like combos with wheels at all is like Dothy Voidwalker because it lets you play a, a spell for free after you wheel. Sanctifier Unvec is just going to exile some black and red cards. Yeah, 
And Gaia's will, I guess, is gonna Purely eventually graveyard or something. Like, yeah, if you fill your graveyard with a wheel, it's gonna let you Cast play some cards. cards back. Yeah. So those cards like aren't even like good with it. So I'm like, like, what are you even talking about, Sheldon? Like, I guess Dothy Voidwalker, but I I don't agree with that. But still, that's to say this is his opinion. Yeah. And also, like he says, the wheels are the most unhealthiest thing in the format. Like, I think outside of interactions like um, Smothering Tithe and um, Narset, like wheels really aren't a problem at all. In fact, they're, I think they play pretty well. Yeah, I mean, uh, a wheel on an average case scenario, it just adds more game pieces to the game. Yeah. So I, I think wheels end up playing pretty pretty, pretty well, you know, without outside of the, the kind of disavowed ways to play them, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, that being said, like I was saying a moment ago that I think Sheldon ca- caveated, you know, what he was saying pretty well. Um, if the reaction from players is going to be, Sheldon's going to ban wheels or whatever. Maybe they, maybe Sheldon and other rules commi- committee members have to reapproach how they talk about these topics because obviously they're doing something wrong. Maybe even it's not their fault, but like if if players come out of this article thinking that that's going to happen, maybe you just can't even mention that sort of thing, right? Maybe yeah. he has to work on how he says it. I think he had to put out a tweet like the next day or so and say something like, "If you read my article with the." Uh, the thought that I had any intention of banning wheels whatsoever, please reread it with the the idea that that's not the intent. Yep. So, and I think, you know, maybe that, maybe he, like, I think, like I said, I think he did a good job of caveating it, but maybe he needs to go even further. Maybe he needs to say at the very start, I have no intention of banning wheels whatsoever, whatever, you know, disclaimer here for people reading or whatever, right? Maybe that would help. Um, I think even, uh, just not, not to make this too drama heavy, but I think, Mitch from the Commander's Quarters had a video where the tweet associated with the thumbnail was like, was like, um... Rules Committee to ban all wheels yeah, in Commander? Yeah, Rules Committee talks about, quote-unquote, banning class of cards. And it's like, that is not what Sheldon talked about at all. He just met, he said, he's, like, like when you say talks about banning class of cards, like, that is super clickbait and, like, not, not cool, I think. That yeah, was the, I, I mean, and then the video was three minutes of him reading it and then 15 minutes of silence. Yeah, I, I feel bad for Sheldon being the most public-facing member of the Rules Committee that, like, especially when you write articles like this every week where you have so many people that are just looking to interpret everything you say with so much bad faith and, like, be so uncharitable towards you. Yeah. It's it's, a, that's a rough life. Yeah. But, you know, Sheldon, you know, he's he's gone through a lot in his life and, you know, I think he, he he's able to handle it at least, right? He's very he's a very strong man. Yeah, even after that that incident, like where we said he he did put out a tweet like clarifying this, like I he takes a lot of heat and like a lot of hate that I've seen, and I we follow him on Twitter and I rarely see him comment on it or like really complain. He never is. He never vents or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, you know, we Eli, you and I have our fair share of disagreements with Sheldon and the Rules Committee, but like for the amount of hate that they get, you know, I think you know you should try to be a little bit more charitable when they say things maybe yeah and, and one thing i wanted to mention too is i think i was looking through um the edh subreddit and there was a a post about this article and they were just kind of like dunking on sheldon because i think he maybe misunderstood some rules interactions or something on a couple of cards like with like, um, on grief, grief like like thinking the um the evoke cards like he, he inferred that like he thought that they stuck around maybe and that's an easy mistake to make i guess yeah, everyone makes mistakes. Especially on if cards. you don't like, if you maybe like didn't catch it in proofreading or something. But it's just this whole thread of like people dunking on him. And what I notice is people have this idea that 
Sheldon, because he's so public, that he's like the head of the rules committee. I don't think that's the case. I don't think they have, like, there's not a king of the rules committee. There's not, like, a president. I think it's a pretty democratic process, and they all have discussions and make decisions together, right? Yeah, I think they all have an equal say, and I think that's how it should work. Yeah, and, you know, they've even got... I mean, the the rules advisory group, or the command... Sorry, I said it again. The commander advisory group... Uh, I don't think they have a they don't have a direct say at all in you know what the what the um the rules of the rules uh committee does, but they do get to inform them and help them make their decisions. Yeah, like say five people on the keg could tell the RC, hey, I think you guys should ban this card, but that doesn't mean that they're actually ever going to do it. They're just going to take that as 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 anecdotes, you know, to kind of um try to inform a decision more more or less. I think. Yeah, and people should remember when Sheldon talks about stuff, it's not like Sheldon has, like, he doesn't get an extra vote in the meetings or whatever. He doesn't have that uh, that, that white card that gives him an extra vote. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so he, uh, when he says something, just remember, it's just it's usually just his opinion. Like, if you had to write an article series, like, every, every week, week like, like, we do the podcast, and sometimes we'll, we'll dunk on people when they say something cringe or, like, something that just doesn't make any sense and be like, what are they even talking about? And we'll, but then I'll listen back to our podcast and I'll be like, what are we even talking about? <laughs> when you just, when you talk enough, you're going to say some stuff that doesn't make any sense. So that, I'm sure that's the case with the Sheldon article. Yeah, if there's enough eyes on you, I think you'll, you'll get, um, you'll get scrutinized enough to find mistakes. And we're lucky, Eli, that we don't have enough viewers for them to catch all the <laughs> stupid shit we say. But if you'd like to tell me what I said that was stupid, dunk oh, on me so, in the comments. I'm so excited for our first, like, hate comment. I'm so excited, yeah. You guys are freaking dumb. You don't know how Metamai the Ageless works. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think, I think. is there anything else you want to say about the Sheldon situation? Anything left? Because I think that about covers it, right? Yeah, pretty much just, uh, just leave Sheldon alone. Leave Sheldon alone. <laughs> Sorry. This was the Sheldon episode, wasn't it? Yeah, thank you, Sheldon. Yeah. Get in some more trouble, and we'll have something for next week. <laughs> Say something real dumb so I can go back to making fun of you instead of uh, singing your praise. Uh, I joke, I joke. But, you know, that's about, you know, what we got. Um, is there anything you want to say at the end to just kind of, you know, maybe say what our takeaways are for this episode, right? Yeah, so overall, um, I think um, more Commander products. Like, you know, we love Commander, and I, you know... Everybody likes being catered to a little bit, you know? Yeah. Oh, to answer the question, no, I don't think Commander is ruining magic. I guess we probably should answer that in the, the title, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I guess I, I would say I'd lean on the side of, yeah, it's it's not ruining magic, obviously. Magic is fine. Sometimes I feel like Commander players are ruining <laughs> magic for me. But that's oh. a different episode. <laughs> that is kind of that. That's Commander by proxy. We were like, right, right. There you go. Yeah, it's just like I don't know. I played at a a pre-release recently, and that's one v one magic. And I didn't have a single. I didn't feel like I had a negative interaction that whole night. But I'll play some Commander games, and I'll feel so bad afterwards. So I'm just like, yeah. Out, outside of some Commander or some Magic player, you know, funk, you know, in their armpits or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's you know that that that's a personal hygiene thing, and you know what. Sometimes that's going to happen. It'll be another episode. <laughs> At your LGS, you know, maybe take a shower or something, you know. So, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, if if we're off base on, like, anything on here, like uh, the, the Sheldon stuff, or if, if you've got the case for why Sheldon is a, a terrible bastard man and needs to be locked away, like... No, I'd be, I'd be willing to hear it, because obviously, like, I, I stood up for Sheldon a lot in this episode, but, like, you know, if you have 
and you know some opinions about them that you disagree with me on you know I, I'll, I'll i'll read that with as much charity as i can and i'll take it into consideration okay yeah and like we said we disagree with him and his opinions a lot of the time but i still think he's a pretty good guy and mm-hmm. i think the rules committee mostly does a pretty good job yeah so i don't know don't think they're lacking integrity or anything like that but that's the the premise of the show is we want to hear as many opinions as possible and like get a better understanding for you know everything Yep, and if you have a a more, oh, sorry, a less fun card than uh, an engine, please let me know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really trying to find well, one specifically one like made for commander. Yeah, yeah. Because like, like I know there's definitely like stuff like I get it. I get are... it. Boil is less fun. <laughs> well, it's not less fun if you're you know. <laughs> it's fun when you're casting. It. It's fun when you're casting it. Unless you're casting on yourself, then it's kind of like a mutually assured destruction thing, right? <laughs> but I think that's about all we got, right? But yeah. Um. Give us a, a like, a subscribe. Please, yeah, like we said, comment about anything. Um, you can find us on Twitter at EDH Takes. On your local podcast app, EDH Takes as well. Everything except for iTunes, I think. Yeah, I've been Elijah Samuelson. And I'm Censor Cook. All right, we'll see you next time.